0: you're listening to the clear creek resources podcast from clear creek community
1: church located in the bay area of houston welcome everyone to the clear creek resources podcast i'm rachel chester thanks so much for joining us today this generation of kids are inundated with images pressure and misinformation about sex they need guidance honesty and truth But having those conversations is intimidating, to say the least. So how can we talk to our kids about sex, biblically and lovingly? I sat down Lance Lawson, our director of marriage and family ministries, and Crystal Bruning, mother of three almost-grown kids and a leader in our student ministry for about nine years. And we talked through some of these issues and more. I hope it's helpful. Okay, guys, so we are talking about reclaiming a lot of really big, important issues in church right now. One of those issues, uh, the most recent issue, is reclaiming sexuality, which is a huge topic, uh, one that's beautiful, but also distorted a lot in um, not just the world, but sometimes in church. So it's this really big topic that we're talking through, but it's one thing to talk about it in big church. That's what my kids call it. It's another thing to have conversations like this with seven-year-olds or 17-year-olds, that can get even trickier. So we wanted to talk today about how we can have helpful, good conversations with kids about sex, because that can be just scary to a lot of people. So my first question for you guys is, why do we even have to do this? Because there's videos out there. My daughter just went to just a classroom experience in elementary school. So do we actually have to?
0: Absolutely. Yeah, we have to talk to our kids about sex. So I just pull some uh, recent data the CDC released a couple of years ago. Their most recent uh, data says that uh, over fifty percent of eighteen year olds have had sexual intercourse. So, I mean, if if you're responsible for your kids, definitely through high school, then half of the kids in our our area, our community, are at some point sexually active. Mm-hmm. So,
2: yeah. And the a, world's talking about it. So right. as a church, you know, it's our responsibility to talk about it. As parents, it's our responsibility because they're getting the information. It's out there.
0: And- right. If they have questions or curiosities uh, or even if it, they're oblivious to it, they will still hear about sex. They will still be shown or exposed to sexual topics. And so uh, don't we as parents want to be able to shape their view of that? hmm Uh, in a way that is healthy and appropriate and uh, biblical Mm -hmm. so that we set our kids up to have the best chance at a healthy sexuality. Because if we don't talk about it with them, we're just going to let all the other influences in their life shape that for them.
1: Yeah. And they're not all negative influences. Either some are just ignorant influences. So I've already with my kids had all these examples of, you know, there's media, there's social media, there's movies, there's billboards. There's all sorts of things that are related to this topic that are confusing for them if they don't have some sort of foundation. But even um, just their other friends who have no idea, but they're starting to talk about these things in just like a really innocent but ignorant way. Right. that you have to, you have to walk through with them too.
0: Yep.
1: It's like all angles,
0: all angles. And uh, the way our kids have access to technology and uh, I mean, pornography is one of the most trafficked things on the internet. I mean, uh, Google released uh, some research or some search statistics that during the pandemic, during the lockdown, uh, pornography searches went up 24% based on you know, from where they already were before that. Like, uh, so we know that even if our kids don't have their own phones or tablets and unrestricted access to that stuff, they have friends that do. Mm-hmm. They're in environments where even they misspell a word in a Google search for a school project and they can they can accidentally stumble across oh, something. So, yeah. uh, so I, for a long time, I've quoted uh, some statistics about average age of exposure to pornography for children as being nine. I did a little more digging the last couple of days. Uh, it looks like it's it's either 11 or 13 and a half based on what research you come across <sighs> mm-hmm. and where it was and sample size. Which is that. shocking. But it's still, yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, I have an 11-year-old and right. that is shocking to me. And <laughs> I'm not
2: surprising, but shocking. I mean, yep. I just, yeah. I think parental controls have... I've taken that lower age and kind of Mm. elevated it a little bit, but yeah, the kids are filling the gaps in They're They're confused about things. They don't want to look ignorant, especially the 11 to 13 year olds. They don't want to look like they don't know. So Mm -hmm. they're going to Google it and then they're going to go into this rabbit hole of just images that they don't need to be looking at or information. That's not true.
0: Yeah. uh, I remember reading once that the greatest fear of a junior high student, which is that 11 to 14 is being embarrassed. Mm -hmm. And so if, yeah, if they're in a conversation with friends and they they aren't in the loop yep. about what they're talking about. They're going to try and they're be. They're going to look it up. Yeah.
1: Okay. So before we really get into the meat of what these conversations look like, uh, what we're saying and how we're doing it, uh, when when do you even start the conversations? Because you mentioned seven and then you mentioned 11 to 13. So when do we start having conversations about this topic, which is this topic they were talking about is sex, but it's, you
2: know, all these other things connected to it too. Yeah. Um, I I think you just always have the conversation when they're, you know, one, two, three years old in the bathtub, you know, we talk about not coming out, not dressed. Um, that's a, that's a body conversation. Mm -hmm. And then it just age appropriate as it goes on. I think as long as you're open with your conversations, um, within your household, they just never really start and never really stop. You Mm -hmm. just constantly have that conversation. It just evolves what you're talking
0: about. Yeah. And if you start the conversation early in their life, then it's it's more normal for them to talk to you about these things. Yeah. Whereas if you don't when they're young and suddenly you, you look up and your kid is old enough and you know they're exposed to things or having conversations, yeah. it might feel even more awkward mm-hmm. at that point to start. So Because
2: no sixth grader is wanting to sit down and have ice cream and talk about sex. Right. You know? <laughs> so, um, But they are. They're, they're talking about sex. I think yep. we need to get ahead of that. Yep. And junior high is too late. So, junior high definitely is definitely. I mean, start that, having that's this conversation. just that's helpful
1: for people, yeah. Because there's a lot of us who were like, I don't, I don't know how to do this. No one ever talked to me about sex when I was young, so like I don't really know how and when I should be doing this with my kid. And so you guys are just saying this is this is a just a part of life. And so you just are always
2: always have. Having this conversation. Yeah. And I think as a church, we may have led that because we don't have those conversations a lot of times until junior high. We start having the sex talk or the mm-hmm. sex sermons, you know, sixth, seventh grade around Valentine's Day. Um, but yeah, maybe we need to start having those a little earlier and age appropriate, of course, but just maybe understanding what our bodies were made for. And mm-hmm. it's not just functioning, you know? Right. So
1: Yeah. I think... So whenever I think through this, I think something that's helpful is that none of us are going to do this exactly the same way either. So, um, you know, ongoing conversation is really important. I know you have taken your kids on a trip when they turn a certain age where you have an intentional conversation. So you're not waiting to talk about anything until then, but you do have also moments of intentionality. Is that right?
0: Yeah. So uh, when they're when they were little, the resource that I used was a book called God Made All of Me by Justin and Lindsay Holcomb, and it's really simple for toddlers, preschool age kids, uh, and it, it just uh, explains very easily and clearly that God made your body. Your body is good. Uh, your body is different than others. Talks about gender, but then also you know the the concept of private areas on your body and why why places are private and who should see that, like all of the yeah. things you want your toddler to be aware of so mm-hmm. that they're not taken advantage of. Uh, but then as they get older, have further conversations. And so what what uh, I do is when my kids are in that season of transition between elementary and junior high and then junior high to high school, I, it's not just about sex, but my plan is get away with them, have a conversation about their next stage of life, what that looks like. And part of that is the next phase of the sex talk. Mm -hmm. Uh, So yeah, I did that with our oldest when he was going into junior high that summer between fifth and sixth grade, took him away. And that was a very different conversation because Mm -hmm. I actually got a blank sheet of paper and a pencil and I, I drew. Uh, And so (laughs) you said like all kids are different and all families are different. The way we have those conversations with our kids, with my, with my own kids will be different. So
1: with each of my kids. Yeah. That's what what I'm
0: saying. Yeah. 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 So I, you know, with with my oldest, he's very scientific and academic mm-hmm. and, you know, in elementary school, they're already learning about the way animals reproduce, yeah. it, like that it's a male and a female that mate. They don't fully understand what that means, but like th- they're learning about those things and it's easy to draw on that and say, like, you, kn- you know how you've learned about that? And you know how when we have conversations at home, we say, oh, you get that from your mom or you get that trait from me. Like, you know how that works? Yeah. Like, you actually are made from mom and from me. Mm-hmm. And... It's a really cool design, Uh, and like it was, it was cool to have that conversation with him. And you, you can see him thinking. He gets Mm -hmm. real quiet and gets a look on his face (laughs) like he's thinking. So I oh yeah, Yeah, yeah." so I I remember explaining to him we were on this camping trip. We're like in Arkansas, and he's like, "Okay," and I said, "What are you thinking?" He goes, "The Bible makes a lot more sense." (laughs) <laughs> it was not the, the answer. Is, I was like,
1: amazing. I know. And I was like,
0: it caught me off guard. I said, <laughs> yeah. what do you mean the Bible makes more sense? He goes, you know, I've just always wondered what it meant when it says like, Abraham went into Hagar. Like, mm. okay. Yeah. Like, all right. Now, I, you know, like <laughs> these stories that he reads in scripture made more sense right. after that.
1: And they realize how much, how they, they're empowered too. So yeah. my yeah. daughter, who is only nine, was watching some like silly Disney show and she came up to me and she was like mom and she had drawn me she had drawn me a diagram and she was like they said this and they're wrong she's like I know more about puberty than they do (laughs) and I was like thank you that's awesome (laughs) daughter (laughs) but it's good because she's totally she feels like she knows and she has conversations with me about it and that we just continue to have it's just a part of it because it is everywhere she's watching a Disney show
2: and some of it's there too yep And that big thing—they're equipped, so they're not yes. seeking out those answers from media or friends, and so mm-hmm. just keeping them equipped. And yeah. they, sm- they yeah. feel smart; they feel like you said—you know, empowered.
0: Well, yeah. and when you lay that groundwork early on, it, it makes those conversations more natural, and you, you can be more direct because as they get older, you know, as, as my kids get older and they start having relationships mm-hmm. uh, with with others, it's like now we're going to talk a little more directly about the way you interact with exactly. your girlfriend. Mm-hmm.
1: Because it's all connected. It's all connected. That's yeah. not separate from anything. Right. Yeah. So you you mentioned that maybe we haven't done this well as a church, big church, all of Christians um, in the past. So I want to talk about that just a little bit because we, we want to focus on what we can do, but also let's, let's look back or look at our own lives um, or whatever it is and just talk about maybe where we don't do this well, just as sort of a warning to ourselves and...
2: Our friends. Right. So I grew up um, mid-90s, so kind of height of the purity culture. Mm-hmm. And that didn't leave a whole lot of room for conversations. So um, it was great if you were if you were doing things the right way. But if you weren't or if you had already fallen into, you know, some sinful patterns, it, it was kind of a roadblock. And so I feel like I, I don't know how far we've moved away from that. I think we still kind of have a purity culture mindset in a lot of things. And so... Um, I just don't want to, I don't want to be a roadblock. I want to keep conversations open. Mm -hmm. You know, a church is a place where there's a ton of broken people that are in a ton of different places. And so, um, just yes, purity culture. That's, I mean, it's, it's, it's the right thing, but it's not what's happening. I mean, statistically or what we're seeing in society, it's, it's just not what's happening out there. So let's talk to the people who have already made the mistakes. Like how do we move forward? What do we believe about the gospel? And as a church, I think putting that out there, like, this is what we believe. We believe, you know, that our identity is in Christ. We believe that the gospel grace is bigger than sin. And so um, purity culture, I just think, has a little bit of a roadblock there.
0: Yeah, I mean, my experience growing up in the, in the same time, like, in a purity culture where our church did True Love weights, the whole student ministry was standing on the stage. We yeah. took the pledge and put the <laughs> rings on, the whole thing. My experience with that as a teenager was that it was very legalistic. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, as long as you're following the rules, that all sounds good. Yeah. But but when you struggle with any any type of sexual sin, then you just end up with guilt and shame piled on, and, and there wasn't ever a conversation about grace in that. Yeah. And on a, honestly, there wasn't a conversation about why God's plan is better okay.
2: mm-hmm. right.
0: than anything else that I might want or the world would offer. And so, uh, yeah, that's, that's part of what I try to communicate to my own kids It's like God's plan is the best possible way for you, for you to live. It's the most fulfilling and satisfying way. Right. So,
1: yeah. Okay. So you guys are talking about, I think two parts of this, which are, <laughs> are really, really important. And one is like what can happen is that we can, um, raise little Pharisees little legalists who are like we don't do this so a we're better than the people who maybe do do these things for all and on all these different ways um, or if you slip up it's this shame and you don't know what to do with it and then the other part of that is there's also this beautiful picture of sex sex isn't bad
2: right, right.
1: sex God created sex and it's a good thing to celebrate it's not shameful right. and it's not bad and then all of a sudden good when you're married um, it's Beautiful and also part of God's picture. So, I want to talk a little bit more about both of those things because I think those are two really important parts of um, the conversation that we're having with our kids. So, mm-hmm. how do you explain um, first the why behind, you know, s- sex within Christian marriage? Because, like you said, God designed it and it's good. Um, but, like, if someone is like, I don't even know how to talk about sex from a biblical perspective. Um, what are just some basic things they could tell their kids? So God designed it and it's good. What else is there? Why does it matter?
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it is what I have told uh, my kids is sex is good for marriage. It's, uh, it's good for your relationship because it's something you don't do anywhere else with anyone else under any other circumstance. And so it is, it is a good and beautiful thing. Um, so that, that's one, yeah. one part of the conversation
1: and it's just, even, even just in that, you know, you said it's between one person. It, the goodness of sex within marriage um, is related to lots of different distortions of sex in, in culture that we have to talk about, too. So all of these boundaries aren't yeah. because we don't like those people or we just think they're bad. It's because we're protecting something that's a really good gift that like shows the gospel. I mean, yeah. that's what's amazing to me about it too, is that you get to talk about the gospel anytime you're talking about, you know, sex whenever it comes down to it. What about, um, what about how we treat other people? I mean, how, how can we talk to our kids about um, others who maybe aren't in the church and so don't have the same worldview or maybe people who have made mistakes? You know, how, how can we talk to our kids and set those boundaries and still help them to see the world, you know, in a loving way. Right. I think just um,
2: seeing sin the way God sees sin, where a sexual sin is, the world's made that such a more weighty sin than Christ sees it. You know, he sin is sin. And so when we look at our friends, like, you know, yes, they may struggle with a sexual sin. What do you struggle with? Mm-hmm. You know, and there's redemption in all of those things. I think just bringing it back to like, Sexual sin is not just the end all, you know. That the world has made it. Um, sin is sin, and so how do we address that? How do we address all sinners? And that's we love them, we welcome them in, we show them a better way. And so,
0: yeah. Yeah, I mean, in our lifetimes, the the, the church has not responded well to sexual sin to people who have different beliefs about it, and so we don't have a very good track record of living in love to people who believe things differently than we do or mm-hmm. or live different ways than we do. And so, yeah, uh, having rules and a way to live and, and that legalism is never going to change someone's heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have to be very loving. And so um, I think part of it is teaching our kids that um, and I say this, I feel like I say this every time I'm on a podcast or in a sermon or whatever. That means it's true. Like all the time <laughs> is like, uh, I tell my kids regularly, what we believe is not popular. What we believe is not, is probably not what the most of the people you know believe or will believe at any point in their mm-hmm. life. Uh, but what we believe is good. And and so we have an opportunity to love people through the way that we live our lives. So that's one aspect of it. The, the other is, um, you know, when when people experience uh, the church pointing a finger and saying, like, your lifestyle is wrong, your sexual attraction is wrong, that's just not what Jesus did. Jesus was loving and personal and met people where they were and showed them a better way. They, he, he wasn't condemning in that circumstance.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think that um, that's all so helpful. And, I, and it also makes me think that a, a part of these struggles and conversations like this aren't just with mistakes that maybe our kids will make or their friends will make, but that maybe parents have made in the past. So I don't really want to talk about this because either I didn't do this well when I was young or I'm not, maybe I'm struggling with things right now. Right. So what, what would you say to parents who may be thinking that they're struggling with their own you know, feelings of condemnation?
2: Be transparent. You have to um, tell your kid your story. I think in student ministry, it's the one thing I hear the most from mm-hmm. my students is, "Oh, I could never talk to my parents about that. They would never understand." Mm-hmm. When a kid says, "You would never understand," they don't know you. And so, being transparent, letting them know your story, letting them know that you messed up, you were redeemed. This is what you did. This is how, you, or this is how you're walking through it. I've surrounded myself with community. I've, you know, I believe the gospel. Um, I'm not perfect. And so I think, um, yeah, just be transparent with your kids. Let them know your story. And, and it doesn't have to be your sexual story. It can be mm-hmm. any story of sin. But I think if you have a story where there there is some sexual mistakes, the best way to get your kid to talk to you <laughs> is to let them know that, no, I really do understand. Um, I've been where you are. You're not, you know, unique in this struggle. We've all had them. Mm-hmm. And let me show you or let me tell you what I've, what I've done.
0: Yeah. Age-appropriate honesty. Right. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you you know, you want to tell your kids what they can handle, but but tell them the truth. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're calling them to live in a way you didn't at their age, then say, look, part of the reason I I want you to hear this is because I messed up Mm -hmm. and I don't want you to live with the same guilt or past that I've had to deal with. And so there is a better way. Mm -hmm. I wish I had heard it. I wish I had done it.
1: Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think um, that is so hard and so helpful. And and when I thinking through that, um, just with with myself and you know people that I walk through life with, there's there's that part of it, sort of the confession of the past and honesty, and showing them what grace and um, and identity in Christ looks like. But then there's also you know we say pretty often around here that that we are the primary disciple maker of our children, and this is a huge part of that. And so I also think you know, you have to begin by searching your own heart about these things because a lot of us, are are, are we're ourselves struggling with right. these things. And so we have to ourselves believe in the beauty of God's design yeah. and purposes um, with sex before we can really hope our kids ever will. Because I think that really can be a struggle too. Right.
2: Do we really believe it? Do we yeah. actually live it? Right. And confessing that if we don't, mm-hmm. you know, I think walking through that with our kids, you know, Maybe you're, talk, you're having that conversation and saying, you know what, I don't know that I've forgiven myself for some things. And so let's walk through that also, you know, because maybe they're dealing with something they can't forgive themselves for that they're just not ready to talk about. And so those, all of those conversations are helpful. Just, again, transparency, but also, yeah, searching your own heart and, you know, maybe forgiving yourself and believing the gospel, mm-hmm. that it says.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's when we talk about the parent being the primary disciple maker, it's as a parent, you have more influence than you even realize. Uh, and so what do you, the question I have for you, if you're hesitant to talk to your kids about any of this, or you feel like you missed an opportunity and maybe it's too late, I, I would just say, uh, what do you hope for their future? Yeah. And if, if you don't want to step into shaping that, then you're, you're leaving that to their own discovery and what the world and their friends have to say. So step into that conversation. You have influence. You have a, uh, the ability to shape what your kids think and believe and the way they live their life. And you'll be glad that you did, even if it's awkward, even if you stumble over things or say something you shouldn't have, like mm-hmm. it's, it's worth having the conversation.
1: Do you, um, either one of you have any examples just with your own kids? You guys have different age kids, um, which I think is really helpful have you ever had a conversation when you really had to sort of um, adjust how they were thinking because of some outside influence? So if, so, if your kid comes home and they said, Oh, I, I saw this on a phone or someone said this to me and, you know, how, how do we handle that? Do you, do you, you know, separate them from the kid that showed them or talk to them? Do you just walk through it with them? How, how do you protect your kid? You
2: know, how do you live this out is really what I'm asking.
0: Yeah.
1: Um,
2: I was saying this one's a hard one for me because my kids grew up in a different social media era. Uh (laughs) But, um, no, I, I can't separate my kids from the world. So I don't, I kind of, I I walk through things with them. Um, trying to think of a specific example. Um, that's really helpful though. One of my children just went to college like away at Texas state. And so there's been several things that he's, you know, he was in a bubble here Mm -hmm. of, um, things that he'd heard about, but probably hadn't seen really, you know, thought he knew. Um, Yeah. And so we walk through, you know, how do you live with a, um, roommate that has same sex attraction? How do you, um, love them? How do you have conversations with them? How do you be an example of Christ without offending them? Because like you said, you know, being angry or, you know, jamming down their throats, not going to, (laughs) you know, make a difference. And so, um, yeah, just walking through them. You can't shelter your kids from everything. And so as they get older, it's easy when they're young to kind of take the phone away or take away the influence, but as they get older, they're going to live in this world. And so, um, yeah, I've just, we walk alongside them. Have
1: just the like conversations. you've been doing their whole lives. It sounds like, right, yeah, right.
0: And th- I say that that's where the payoff of starting these conversations early comes in because what I've said to all of my kids before they had the opportunity to be exposed to anything was screens can, can be dangerous. That, like, you get mm-hmm. to watch whatever shows you like or, uh, you know, we'll have a tablet or YouTube on our TV or whatever. Like, we have a lot of fun when we watch these things and get to experience these things. But also, there's dangerous stuff on here. And I want you to, I want you to know that someday you're going to see it. You probably won't want to. It, it'll just show up. And here's what I want you to do in that moment. Mm-hmm. So that when they see it for the first time, they know, oh, I don't need to stare at this, or I don't need to stay here, or whatever it is. Like I've tried to prepare my kids in advance for the eventuality of they're going to see something that I don't want them to see. Uh, so, giving them a framework of of what to do, uh, but then also, you know, I think it's it is easy to give into the temptation of I'm just gonna like put my kids in a bubble and keep them there and and protect them from all that stuff so they don't have to be exposed to any of it. And I I just I don't think that's helpful or healthy because I'm not I'm not opposed to safeguards and guardrails and all that like we sh- we should protect our kids but to try and uh, control any exposure is is impossible. So what I want to do while my kids are growing up in my home is exactly what what you guys have done is like uh, try and lead them in the best way but when they experience things walk through them with it. Help them process that. So when they go off to college or when they leave our home. I've taught them how to follow Jesus, even in a, a messy and broken world.
1: Mm-hmm. So um, I can imagine a lot of parents thinking, okay, that sounds good to me. I want to walk with my kids through these issues. I want to be have these conversations, but I don't know what to say. I really just, I don't necessarily have the information. I don't really know all the nuances of the biblical view on all of this. Um, so so what can you tell them? What can you tell a parent who who doesn't really know even how to start in that conversation, who doesn't feel equipped?
0: I mean, there's a ton of resources available through our children's ministry and student ministries. Uh, I would say our, our campus directors are uh, the experts right now at uh, pop culture what kids are exposed to and all that and the, and the newest resources that are available so I would say get with the, the staff members from your campus even some of the volunteers uh, ask other parents uh, there's something about sharing your life in community that's why we talk about community so often is mm-hmm. is when when you hear from people who have gone before you that's formative for you that that helps you other parents are resources for you and so it's not you're we're not going to recommend one book and that's going to solve all of this for every family that listens, but... Uh, we will
1: recommend some. <laughs> we will. Re- yeah. No, we're going to recommend some books. Everyone's like, really? Yeah. yeah. Uh, th-
0: there's not one resource. <laughs> right. Um, so a-, a resource that I wish I'd mentioned a few minutes ago when you were talking about parents who uh, who have not forgiven themselves, uh, Justin and Lindsay Holcomb, the people who wrote God Made All of Me, also wrote another book called Rid of My Disgrace. And so... I. I would definitely recommend that to someone who lives with some shame, whether it was intentional through your own choices or put upon you. That's a mm-hmm. really good gospel centered resource.
1: Um, and I say this, I say this on every podcast and I'm a part of, which like <laughs> is many. <laughs> you should take how to study the Bible yep. and big picture of the Bible. Um, you know, our sexuality is not separate from all of our Christian faith, from the gospel, like like you talked about. And so I think a deeper understanding and being in the word of God and knowing the gospel and knowing Jesus, um, that equips you for those conversations. Then you can talk about God's, God's creation and his redemption of all things and how he's making all things new. I mean, all of this is a part of the same story. And so even just that, I think it's just a really great way to prepare yourself for really hard conversations with teenagers, you know, because it's all a part of the same story that God's given us.
0: Yeah, especially reading through the Bible and you see the people in the Bible <laughs> Yes, were yeah. a hot mess, mess. <laughs> like page after page. Yeah. Uh, so the, yes. the people of the Bible weren't perfect. They weren't saints. They were broken people who made terrible choices and lived in ways that were opposed to God, but God loved them and gave them grace and was concerned about their heart was concerned about them being his children. And so, yeah, knowing the Bible and knowing those stories mm-hmm. is, is an encouragement for anybody that is for everybody that's broken, but then also equips you to help your broken children.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. And just in community, getting yourself in community, getting your kids in community. You know, I know as they get older, they have other things to do than go to small group, go to Wednesday nights, hang out with. But as a parent, as much as you can control that, make your kids go. You know, get them in community. It's one of those. It really shouldn't be an option. Um, There. I mean, of course, there's factors. You have schedules and things like that. But um, when they get into high school, the drop off of community, I think, is it's just so hard. It's the time when they need it the most, and we give them the most choice over it. Mm -hmm. And um, and they'll learn. I mean, we. Small group leaders are equipped. The other students are equipped. They ask questions. Some are more bold than others. And so there's a lot of good conversations that happen.
1: That's really helpful because when you first said community, I was thinking you meant with other parents, but but you're really talking about the kids. Make sure that they have biblical community. community, that yeah. they can have conversations with other parents. Yeah. Because I've already found that hugely helpful when my kids have other adults who can speak into these things. Yep. So So. it's not, it doesn't even just have to be me. If they're, you know, I can always say, you can talk to these other four Mm -hmm. moms always. Always. And they'll talk to you about this.
0: Well, that's, uh, we've talked a lot about Sticky Faith, Mm -hmm. uh, the book that Kara Powell and Chap Clark wrote, and they talk about that very thing. Like, we should do our best to surround our kids with other godly adults that can be influential. We should have five adults in their life that that are trustworthy and can speak into all those aspects of their life. because. Those adults are gonna see them in circumstances we won't see them in mm-hmm. as their parent. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah, I mean community is hugely important. Yeah.
2: And then as that community, again, be transparent. Like, you know, let them see that mom and dad's friends aren't perfect. We all have we all have our own junk. And maybe it's different than mom and dad's junk. So, you know, we, we talk about those things.
1: Transparency, community, community, knowing the beauty of God's plan and boundaries. That's a lot of what I'm hearing. This is a super overfly. So before we end, I just wanna, like, is there anything else you guys just would really want parents or students to hear? We covered all of it. We covered all of it. I knew Uh, knew we did.
0: No, listen, I I still think there's someone watching or listening to this and they're like, yeah, all of that sounds great, but Mm -hmm. I can't do that. And you have a reason if you're saying that. Like push through that. Really, you have such an opportunity given to you by the Lord to to shape the children in your life. Take it, use it. I mean, you're not gonna do it perfectly. I don't do it perfectly. You nope. guys haven't done it perfectly. Like but but isn't it isn't it beautiful to wade into the mess of our lives and uh, shape children? I, I just Push through whatever's keeping you from talking to your kids about things that might make you feel awkward or embarrassed. And, and don't be someone that builds a wall around your house and has a compound and keeps the world out. Like, help your kid walk in the world and know how to live in a way that honors the Lord and is fruitful for their life so they can flourish.
2: Yeah. That's the sentence I had written down. It's teaching truths is always easier than cleaning up misinformation or no information. So even if you get it wrong, you know? Yeah. Talk truth, speak truth to your kid, learn truth, grow with your kid, be Mm -hmm. transparent.
1: And I just want everyone to know, too, who's listening, if you feel like you don't have community, you really aren't sure where to start, we are going to post a whole list of resources with this podcast that, uh, we think, um, are full of truth and wisdom that we think will be helpful. Also, you, you really can email us and we have so many people from pastors, to elders, to student ministry leaders who could, who would be so happy to walk with you and recommend resources and talk to your kids. And you can, you can email us at Resources at org. Um, after any podcast, but you know, if you want other resources and, and we will, we want to walk with you because we're family. So we want to do that. Thank you guys so much for being here. This was really helpful for me. You guys are farther along and I appreciate your wisdom. Uh,
0: Barely farther along. (laughs) But still (laughs) farther along. All right. right.
1: Thanks guys. Thank you guys so much for listening today. I hope this conversation was helpful. If you want to watch the video of this podcast or share it with a friend, you can find it at clearcreekresources.org, where you can also find articles, music, and a lot more. Again, I'm Rachel. Thanks so much for joining us today.